Traders Point, welcome. How are we doing? Good. Hey, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors around here. And just want to say welcome to everyone watching online and at all of the campuses. This is an incredible weekend. It is Memorial Weekend. And we just love and appreciate all of those who have served our country and to all those who have given their lives. Yeah, can we celebrate all of our military heroes? It's incredible. Well, today we're in a message, and if you're the note-taking type, the title of it is Sky High Nosedive. And I know for some of you, that's like your worst fear, like you literally just looked up to try to find your oxygen mask, like where are we going with this? But seriously, if anything ever did go wrong on a plane we were on, we would be the worst people to do anything about it. I've never seen a group of people more disrespected than flight attendants trying to save our lives before a flight, before a flight takes off. Like we treat them like they're trying to sell us a timeshare in Oklahoma, like all right, just hurry up with the thing so we can get up in the sky. But flying in general is one of the most impressive feats humanity has ever achieved. And pilots, what they're able to do is incredible. The way how hard it is to navigate through the skies and all the things that they have to be aware of as they go. And one that I was, I was learning about and I was hearing is something that is terrifying even to think about, let alone experience. It's something that they call black hole vertigo. And this is something that pilots experience as they're flying through the clouds and they begin to lose visibility. They can't see what's going on in front of them, so this illusion kicks in between reason and reality. And one of the big things is that they can't tell the difference between what's up and what's down. And as you can imagine, for a pilot, that's a, that's a really big, really big deal, all right? Uh, one of the most famous cases we see of this happening is the story I was reading of JFK Jr. So as he was flying, just a short flight with him, his wife, and his sister-in-law uh, from a small airport in New Jersey to Martha's Vineyard, he would have taken off, and as he left the lights of the city, he, he began to fly in some really thick haze. He would have lost visibility. He would have lost his point of reference as to which way was up. This is when that illusion would have really kicked in. And what's hard at this point, if you can imagine flying through, looking out the windshield, and you can't see anything that is in front of you. You have zero visibility. But what you believe to be true, what you think is up, is actually down. You're so confused, but you're dead set that you are right. And what makes it even harder is if when you look down at your instruments, your control panel here, it's telling you the exact opposite of what you are thinking. So you're put in this really tough situation. And only expert pilots are able to, to disregard what they think and what they feel and trust their instruments. Man, the, the crazy thing is that uh, JFK Jr. would have been nosediving at about 4,700 feet per minute before he crashed into the ocean. And what's even wilder than that is that he may have never even known, if at all, but maybe two seconds before he hit the water which is wild to think about. But as I was reading this article, a much bigger picture kind of came to the surface. One just for not of those who just occupation is a pilot, but for all of us. We're in the pilot seats of our lives and very rarely are the skies just open and blue. A lot of times we're flying through and there's no visibility. It's hard to know what's coming and what isn't. We get brought into all of these different situations where we have to make choices as to which way we're gonna go. Should I take that job, should I not? Should I start this relationship? Should I end this relationship over and over again? We get placed into these storms where we're trying to make a decision even though we can't see. 
And I think one of the, 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 all of our fears kind of break down on this one proverb. It kind of reaches the pinnacle of it, of this is what, this is what keeps us up at night. This is what some of us uh, go to bed thinking about. It's this idea in Proverbs 16, it says that there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. That's the one, right? Whenever we're going through our life and we have all of these opportunities and things that are in front of us and we just start pacing, sweating, anxious, just fears overriding us, saying, God, what are we going to do? I can't see what is coming next. And our worst fear is that we are going to be going the wrong way all along and we had no idea that we were nosediving. And as we begin to go through life, we begin to over and over again find ourselves in this situation. So what we're gonna be looking at today is, is there a way? Is there a way to avoid the nosedive? Is there a way to navigate through our lives with some trusted instruments that we can look to so it's not all on us and what we feel and just a little bit that we can see? Is there something that we can grab onto and say, no, we're gonna be okay, that we actually have a plan for where we are going? Is there a way to live our lives where we can have certainty and confidence? That's what we're gonna be looking at today, and we're gonna be in Proverbs chapter 16, starting in verse one. If you have a Bible, you can get there. If not, don't worry, everything is gonna be on the screens behind me. But Proverbs 16, Proverbs in general, is a book of wisdom. It's a book that kind of helps us navigate lives, and it's really rich. It's much more than just like fortune cookie wisdom of, hey, do this, don't do this. Uh, it's big and it's full. So we're gonna read it, and then we're gonna break it down as we go today. But Proverbs 16, starting in verse one, it says, we can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. The Lord has made everything for his own purposes, even the wicked for a day of disaster. The Lord detests the proud they will surely be punished. Unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin. By fearing the Lord, people avoid evil. When people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. Better to have little with godliness than to be rich and dishonest. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. So here in Proverbs 16, we begin to see when we ask the question, how can we know we're going in the right direction? How can we have God's guidance for our lives? Big, like what is God's will? Well, we see right away that there's this relationship between us and God, between all of mankind and God, that God is active, but we're also active as well. If you check it here, there's almost language that seems contradictory at first because it says that we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And we may throw the dice, this is what it says at the end of chapter 16, we may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. So we see right away that when it comes to our lives and as we sit in the pilot seat, as we're navigating this thing, we have choices to make. All right, so this first things first, this just kind of puts it in picture, autopilot is not an option, all right? It's one that we like to slip into and hit the imaginary button like it's a real thing as we go through life. Like, I'm just not gonna worry about it. I'm just gonna drift into autopilot. Sounds good. And it sounds like an amazing thing. Like if we really could just fall asleep in the back of the plane and just coast until we hear God's voice over the intercom, like 
Thank you for flying flight 777. You have arrived in heaven. Uh, the weather today is, 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 well, it's perfect. It's going to be perfect every day. While you're here, thank you for flying Divine Airlines. See you out there. Like, that sounds incredible if that was really a thing, if life could be that easy. But we see right away that there's a lot more going on, that God is active, but we are also active within this. And this is where things really begin to kind of take shape of, of what God's will is and what our role is in, is. Because we see this relationship where we can do things, we commit plans, we, make, we get to do, we get to throw the dice, but God determines how they fall. God determines if it's a success. So maybe you're asking right now, okay, so which is it? Do I have freedom to make the choices in my life or does God have complete control? And the answer is yes. And this is where things get dicey because it would make a whole lot more sense if we would say, hey, God has, controls all of it or none of it. Or we have complete freedom with all of it or we have complete freedom with none of it. But that's not what we have here. And I know it sounds wild and it's hard for our brains to fathom because when we think about this, that God has 100% control and we have 100% freedom, it is mind blowing, right? It is hard for our minds to get around this idea. Like how does that work? But I'm telling you, practically, it makes so much more sense and it's such a better option than either one of those other extremes. Because I mean, think about it. Think about if you knew that you had no freedom, that everything had already been decided, that God was in complete control of everything. It really would feel like you would just wanna sleep and not get up and get out of bed because what's the point? It doesn't even matter. And think about it if it was on the other side. If everything was dependent on us, every choice, and God said, hey, I'm completely removing myself from this situation, good luck, you tiny, tiny little humans. I'm not wasting any of my time on you. We would crush ourselves under the weight of our decisions. We would wake up every day looking at our calendars and what we have to do, trying to piece our lives together like it's one giant puzzle that's all sky pieces, all the same color blue. It would be the worst. But we see that, no, 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 that's, that's not what we have. What we have here is that we have freedom. We have 100% freedom to make the choices, good and bad, and God has 100% control. I mean, we see this right here in Proverbs 16, that we have all of this freedom to make good decisions and bad decisions. Right here it says, the Lord God has made everything for his own purposes, even the wicked for a day of disaster. And let's make sure we're reading this right here because it doesn't say God creates bad things. It, do, it doesn't say God forces people to do bad things, but it says that you wanna know how in control he really is. He's given us freedom to make any decision that we want, good or bad, and he's saying I'm powerful enough to still work in that and to control everything that's going on. It's like God's not up in heaven in a corner somewhere, like looking like, oh my gosh, did you see what Jim did at work yesterday? Now we're gonna have to redo everything. The plan, bring it back. We're gonna have to pencil this thing in to fix. No, God is in control over everything. In this, in this tension, we have complete freedom to make decisions. God has complete control over everything. And our role in the midst of all of this tension is right there spelled out perfectly for what we are called to do in the midst of all of these actions that we have, all of these plans that we get to make. This is what we're called to do. Verse three says, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. 
This is us. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Now, I love the, the kind of the pictures we get behind words. And commit is one of those words. Commit, uh, much more than just the definition, the idea or the picture that you get behind someone committing to someone uh, or to something is them being all in. Every pound down to every ounce. Like when you, when you commit yourself to a relationship, you are all in on it. There's nothing, you're saying, I'm all in on this. I'm not breaking apart from this. I'm committed to seeing this thing through. So what, this is what God says. Hey, you want to know how to, get, uh, how to navigate life with my wisdom, how to know that you're, that you're going in the right way. Well, commit everything that you do to me. Before you do it, commit it to me. And this is what that looks like. This is what we're called to unconditionally trust God with everything. Unconditionally trust God with everything. And this is very different than how we approach God. Some of us, I'll say that. That when we look to God, especially for the will of God, like where he wants to take us and why he's taking us the direction that he's going, a lot of times our conversations with God are not unconditional, they're conditional. But I know that's probably not true for a lot of you good folks here and at all the campuses, so I'm just gonna give an example of what a conditional prayer like, might look like. Off the top of my head and surprisingly with slide support, it might look something like this. God, if you would, then I would, right? Conditional. God, if you would, then I would. God, I don't know where I'm going next. I'm losing visibility. But if you would just make it painfully clear as to what you want me to do and how you want me to do it, then I would go. God, uh, if you would just give me a little bit more security in my job, then I would trust you with my finances. God, if you would do this, God, if you would do that, then I would just feel much more comfortable. And I promise you, if you would make it clear, then I would go. It's conditional. And lucky for us, a conditional relationship isn't what Jesus offers, so it's not something that we can demand from him. No, no, the, 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 the command that we get is to unconditionally trust God with everything especially when we can't see what's coming next, especially when the storm is crashing and we have no idea what to do or how this thing is gonna shake out, we trust. So I just wanna put it out there. What would it look like instead of praying, God, if you would, then I would, what would it look like to say, God, here's what I want, but I trust you will give me what I need. Remove the conditions. God, I, this is what I want, but I trust you will give me what I need from my vantage point. As I'm going through life and I have little visibility, this is what I'm going for. I'm gonna apply for this job. I'm doing everything because I believe it lines up with your mission. I think I can, I can go in this direction. I think it's gonna be great. But I know I don't see all of it. So if it is yours and it's what I need, then I, I trust that you'll give it to me. And if you get the job, you celebrate God. And you say, God, I, I know that I, I, I committed everything to you and you gave me this job. I know that. All good gifts come from heaven. I know this is just more proof of you looking out for me. Thank you. And on the flip side, if you go through with the job and you, you say, God, if, if, if this is what I want, but I trust you give me what I need, and you don't get the job, you're not resentful. You're not, you're not looking at God like he's holding something back from you because you know he's a good God. You know that he's in control of everything. You know that he has a plan for you. So even when you don't get the job, you say, God, thank you for saving me from what I couldn't even see. Because I know there was something in that direction that it's not that you were withholding or didn't want something good for me, but that you had something better 
that your plan is always leading me in the right direction. So God, thank you for saving me from that and for leading me into what it is that you do have for me. And we see this, that God wants us to know where he's going. It's, it's, it's not like he's trying to hide stuff from us. He's painfully making things over and over again aware to us of what he's like and what he wants and the life that he has for us and to trust us. Romans chapter 12, it gives us exactly what this looks like. Chapter 12, verse 2, he says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So what does God want from us? As we go through life, we're seeing here that God wants us not to just have a better life, he wants us to have new life. That he wants us to be able to discern so many things. That's why he gives us the instruments that he gives us. He says, you don't have to fly through this thing alone, eyeballing it, white knuckling this thing to try to figure out which way is up. He said, no, I'm gonna give you trusted instruments. I'm going to give you my word, an instrument panel that will always point you in the right direction. That I'm going to give you my word that you can look to. You want to know how to navigate those relationships in a healthy way? Right here. You want to know what marriage should look like? Right here. You want to know what it looks like to be generous all the time? This is how you, want, you do it. You want to know who I am and what I'm like and what I... Jesus, it's all right here. Follow me and you will know exactly where you're going. And on top of that, Oh, come on, we're going to keep going. On top of that, this trusted instrument panel that we have, he said, on top of that, for you to know without a doubt that I have a plan for your life, for you to know that I'm the one determining your steps, I'm the one that's in control, that I want the best for you, I'm going to send you my spirit. I'm going to send you the same spirit, the same powerful spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. I'm going to give you that one so that you can go through life not navigating alone, but you can know that I want the best for you. You can know that I will never leave you. We have all of this, all of this that we would say has been revealed to us from God of who he is, what he's like, and given us trusted instruments of how to navigate life. But a lot of times we drift away from looking down at our trusted instruments that we have, and we begin to search for this hidden will of God. These things that are hidden that are never going to be revealed. What that looks like is when instead of just saying, God, we trust you with everything, we begin to look at, okay, why? Why are we going in this direction? God, I don't understand. I can't see this, so I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go in this direction. God, how are you going to make this thing work? I don't understand. God, if you would just make it clear. God, can you just show me what's coming next? And we question over and over again, why and why and why? If I, could, if I could explain it like this, a lot of times when we go through life and we look for the will of God, it's almost like we're looking through the windshield of our lives with this little light. And we're kind of looking out into the darkness, into the clouds, trying to make sense of what we see. And we begin to squint and we, and we begin to strain, like trying to understand, God, where are you and where am I? I don't understand where... I should be going. God, if you would just open this up. God, if I would just know that this is the direction that you want me to go in, or God, is it over here? God, where are you in my life? I don't see you. And after a while of this, 
after searching for God's will, if it's, if it's something to find, we eventually stop looking. And we say, you know what, I can't see through the clouds. God must not have a plan for my life. And we quit. And if everyone could just look up here. God loves us way too incredibly much to give us something like a lifetime of staring out the windshield, trying to make sense of what he's gonna do and what he's not gonna do. Trying to decide what he's involved in and what he's not involved in. God has, if I could put it this way, God's will isn't something that you have to search for, it's something that you're standing in. God's will is not something that you have to search for, it's something that you're standing in. This is the incredible thing about following Jesus. When we come to know a God that is fully in control of every single thing, the good and the bad, that he is never gonna leave us because he sent his spirit here to be with us. When we are in here, we have this freedom to stand in his will. When we know he's with us, you have freedom to live the life that you have always wanted to live, a life that takes away any fear, a life that takes away any anxiety. Because if you've committed yourself to here, you're standing in his will, you're aware of it. Take the job, don't take the job. Go, make choices, live like the, the life that he's called you to, be obedient to it, and you can't mess it up. There's nothing that you can do that can take away God's will. There's no storm big enough that can push you out of God's will. There's no mistake that you can make that can push you out of God's will. There's no depth that you can fall where God's will is still not on you and his plan is not for you. He loves you so much. Jesus said, aren't five sparrows sold for two pennies? And yet God knows every single one of them and knows when they fall. Doesn't God love you so much more? Every hair on your head is counted. Trust that I'm involved in everything. Can we celebrate how good God is? How much of a loving father he is? Let every fear be stripped away. It's incredible. God's will isn't something that you have to search for. It's something that you're standing in. But the conflict comes. The hard part comes when the storms hit. The hard part comes when that black hole vertigo begins to set in. Because it's one thing to trust God when the skies are open, when it's beautiful and it's blue and you can see everything that's happening and you like everything that's happening. And you're looking, you say, oh yeah, God is all over this. And you're looking down, you're trusting his instruments. And you're like, yep, he wants a good life for me. Everything is going great. The conflict comes when the readings are conflicting. When you fully committed yourself to God, you're saying, God, I trust you with everything. I'm bringing everything to you unconditionally. I trust you, God, lead me. And then it feels like you go into a storm after another. And you begin to think, God, why would you take me into another one when you could easily just take me right and take me out of here? Maybe, maybe I need to get control of this thing and take over. The conflict comes when we're living the life that God has called us to do, when we're obedient to him, we're trusting his instruments, which means we're loving people like they've never been loved before, but we're not being met with love when we get stabbed in the back. When we do something that, that we believe God has called us to, that his instruments are leading in this way to, to maybe take a new job, but then you, you hit a financial crisis and you're like, God, I'm trying to understand this but it feels like I'm doing the right thing. My head is telling me now that this isn't the right thing. It's telling me that I'm nosediving, but your word is saying that I'm doing the right thing. Which one, which one is it? 
You know, I remember the first time I gave financially at the church. It was at the Northwest campus. It was, I was sitting somewhere right, right over there. And I had thought about it all week. I had been coming to know who Jesus was. I believed he was good. I believe he had given me so incredibly much. I was prepared, joyful, ready to give. And the plate came. This is when we still used to pass plates across the aisle. And it came in and I almost added like an extra sound effect to make it feel like it was more money than when I was putting in the plate. I was like, boom. And it went by and it was incredible. I got it. I was, I was trusting God. I was committing everything to him. Life was looking great, beautiful, open skies. And I thought, man, this day is too good. I'm going to remember this day. I'm going to celebrate. And I left here and I went to Taco Bell because I said, no, I deserve it. No, I do. Um, I'm going to go. My trophy is going to be a cheesy gordita crunch. It's about to happen. And I pull up to order my, to order my, my order. And I go to roll down my window. And it starts to go down a little bit. And then, doof. The window drops, like the drop zone at Kings Island, all the way underneath the door panel. And I pretend like it didn't happen, and I just go to like hit the window like it's gonna come back up, and it's just like, eh. And the lady on the other side's asking me what I would like from Taco Bell. Rain is pouring into the window. I have no way to stop it. So two things. One, you're crazy if you think I still didn't order my cheesy gordita crunch and enjoy every single bite. But you're also crazy if in that moment, I didn't look up to God like, how is this happening? How is this your plan? How is this your will? Did you miss something? I did the thing. I gave money to you, to your church. And then you took away my window? <laughs> like I hear people tell stories all the time of like I gave and then it, it was given back to me tenfold. That would have been incredible. Like if I would have pulled up and like, yeah, I would like a cheesy gordita crunch. And she was like, oh, wow. Well, it's your lucky day um, for no reason at all, but we're gonna give you a lifetime supply of cheesy gordita crunches. <laughs> this is weird, I know, but enjoy it. I'm like, God, thank you, I knew it. But that's not what happened. I trusted him, I committed everything, and then it felt like he took me into a storm. It felt like he wasn't there for me. And in those moments, what we have to do is say, no, no, just because I can't see it, just because I don't understand it, I'm gonna trust. I'm gonna trust that there is one that's above all of this. I'm gonna trust the one that, that is determining my steps, the one that has a good plan for my life, the one that wants the best for me. Even when I can't see it, I'm gonna trust God. And we have the perfect example of what this looks like practically to do. And it's in the life of Jesus. If you ever think about the last week specifically of Jesus' life, this is someone, Jesus, God in the flesh, who committed his plans to God perfectly. And he's going through and he's loving people like people had never been loved before. He's healing people, doing all of these things. And still him, he's being met with betrayal. Still him, he's flying into storms left and right. And it gets so bad in the, in the days leading up to his death that he's praying to God and he knows Death is in the background, but still he doesn't place conditions on God. He says, God, I can see it. I can almost feel the pain that is coming my way. I know it's going to be really, really bad. I know this storm is going to be almost impossible. If there's another way, take it. Take it away from me. God, if there's another way that I can avoid this storm, take it. But if there's not, 
If this is your plan to do what you've called to do, if this is how you've determined it, I'm gonna go. And I'm gonna commit myself to it 100%. And that's exactly what we get. Jesus would soon be arrested, beaten, mocked, wrongfully accused, and then sentenced to murder. He was gonna be crucified. Think about that. As Jesus is going to the cross, saying, I committed everything to God, and now he's walking to his death. To the world, this would have looked like a nosedive. In his mind, it has to be crashing. What is God gonna do with this? How is God going to use this? And Jesus went all the way to the cross, trusting God, even because, just because you can't feel it or have peace, you know, you trust that God has a plan for it. Jesus' lifeless body being taken off that cross, that was the biggest nosedive the world had ever seen. Where was God? Silence. More people looking into the sky, trying to understand, trying to make sense of the hidden will of God, but they couldn't. But three days later, three days later though, God had a plan all along. Even in the most horrific situations, God had a plan and he was working all along. Three days later, engines firing. Three days later, the breath is back, tomb is empty. Jesus shows that not even death can stop this plan. It's too good. Jesus rose and declares the grave has no place for us. That we are called to eternity with God, our Father. This is for everyone. Everyone, don't fear the nosedive. Don't fear the nosedive. When you're going through life and you feel like you're alone, when that black hole vertigo really begins to set in and your mind is telling you one thing and you're saying, I can't see God in this. I'm unsure about how to move forward. Trust you're standing in God's will. Trust he has a good plan for you. Trust that he is never going to lead you. Even when it looks crazy, even when the storms are all over you, even when people are whispering, saying, no, you're going the wrong way, you need to do this. No, don't conform to the ways of the world, but be transformed by what Jesus has for you. Trust your instruments, fly through the storm. Do not fear anything because your God is with you. And what we're gonna do right now is I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. I'll lead us in a prayer because I know that a lot of us are flying through a storm right now. A lot of us are having a hard time trying to make sense because we can't see anything that is in front of us. And we're saying, God, if you would, God, if you would just do this or just do that. But if we can be brought to a place and we can trust, even in the storms, that we can look to our instruments above even what we can see. If we can look to God and saying, God, I trust you. I'm committing myself to you because you committed yourself to me, even when it meant committing your own son to die for me. I trust you. So what we're gonna do is I'm just gonna pray. Pray for the kind of trust and faith and courage that it takes to trust God with your plans, even when your mind is telling you something different. So I'm gonna pray and then we're just gonna have a moment of reflection for you to sit and to look to God. Let's pray. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for, your, for who you are, that you're a good God, that you're a father, that you want what's best for us. God, that you're so powerful, so in control that you can use everything, even our messes, you find a way for them to work for your good and for the glory of who you are. 
So God, I pray right now for us. As we're going, flying through our lives, God, you know it's hard to see. You've been here to see what's coming next. But God, I pray for all of us. I pray that you would allow us to pray unconditional prayers, that we would learn to trust you unconditionally, that we would say, God, we trust that you're gonna give us what we need, even if that means going through a storm, we'll go and we'll trust you every step of the way. That we will fear no nosedives, we will fear nothing because you have made a perfect way for all of us. God, help us to navigate life in that, not searching for something that is hidden, but standing in the confidence to know that we are in your will and that we are your children and that you love us so incredibly much. God, help us to look to our instruments. Help us to wake up every single day looking to them more than we trust ourselves. Jesus, we love you so much. It is in your perfect and holy name that we pray, amen.